May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The parable of the Good Samaritan is a parable that we feel very comfortable with. It's a story we know very well. It's a story which ends well. It's a story which is almost too comfortable. And it's a story in which we are certain that we know which character we are, because we are without doubt the Good Samaritan. We know that we would not pass by on the other side. We know that we would stop to help. We know that because we're good people, we're decent people, slightly A-type perhaps, but that actually makes us more likely to help, doesn't it? So we know this story well, we know our part in it, and to hear this gospel reading is to experience that same warmth that you feel when you get into a warm bath. Comforting and not terribly challenging. But Jesus did not tell parables necessarily to comfort us. There are the parables of the kingdom which explain what the kingdom of God is like, the mustard seed, for example. But many of his parables are what we call challenge parables. They are intended to challenge the assumptions of the listeners. His contemporary listeners, to be sure. But also us. And therefore, we need to come back to the parable of the Good Samaritan and perhaps ask ourselves some questions about that. So the challenge to the people of Jesus' time are relatively clear. We know those and we think that we would avoid them. The lawyer asks him this additional question. He says, first he says, what must I do to attain the kingdom of heaven? Jesus says, what you read in the law? He tells him the great commandment. But then, being a lawyer, I'm one, so I know, he has to ask another question. And he has to ask a question in part to justify himself. So he says, who is my neighbor? Now, one of the problems with neighbor is we think of that as being, well, the person next door, maybe the person in the neighborhood. That isn't quite what the word means. And it's certainly not what the context demands. The word sort of means friend or friendship. And what the lawyer is saying is, I know that I have to love my neighbor as myself, but to whom, how far out, how far out does this obligation go? Who is my neighbor? The understanding under the law of Moses was that the neighbor were other Jews, the chosen people, and perhaps resident aliens in amongst them. But further out than that, no. So having answered the question correctly to Jesus, he's now saying, effectively, but help me simplify this a bit. Make me feel good about helping the people that I'm already good to. So Jesus tells a story. He tells a story about a man on the road down to Jericho, which will have been very well known to everybody in Jerusalem, a dangerous road to be sure. And he tells of the priest who goes by, and he tells of the Levite. The priest would be somebody senior in the temple, part of the hierarchy, very certain of where they stood in that hierarchy, and known for their goodness. And the Levite, 
a slightly lesser person in the temple, but still from the tribe of Levi, one of the temple helpers. Two people standing high in that hierarchy. Now, to the lawyer, that may in and of itself have been a challenge, but perhaps not to the crowd, because, as we know, crowds generally don't like elites anyway. So they sort of would have expected the priest, who thought a lot of himself, and the Levite, who probably thought just about as much of himself, to pass by on the other side. But this is a challenge parable. So what Jesus does is, is to introduce a third character into this, and that is the Samaritan. And here again is one of the problems with this parable for us. For as long as we've been around, and many centuries before that, the word Samaritan, the term Samaritan, has almost always had an adjective in front of it, which is good. And it's almost one word, probably would be in German, good Samaritan. But we need to understand the context, because what Jesus was doing was not trying just to shock the lawyer or the temple hierarchy, but to shock everybody who was listening to him, to the disciples, to the crowd behind the disciples. So we need to dig in for a moment to what it is about Samaritans that make this so shocking. There are, lots of, there are several stories in the Bible about Samaritans. There's this one. There's Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. There's James and John offering to call down thunder on the Samaritan village, which doesn't welcome Jesus. What is it about Samaritans? Well, as is quite often the case, they were family, but the family didn't get on. If they'd been totally different, maybe it would have been different, but they worshipped Yahweh, but in a different place, not in Jerusalem, and in different ways. But it was worse than that. Twenty years before Jesus' public ministry, the Samaritans had taken dead men's bones at midnight on Passover and defiled the temple courts by spreading them out there. This was about as close to war as you can get without it being war. The Samaritans hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. That is the power of this story in that time. That a Samaritan, the loathed Samaritan, should be better, have more compassion, understand God's mercy in a way that the comfortable members of the hierarchy did not, is actually quite shocking, or would have been shocking to the crowd. So that's the challenge. But as I said, when we listen to this story, when we tell this story to ourselves, we know that we would not make those mistakes. We would not be the priest or the Levite passing by on the other side. We'd be the Good Samaritan, hyphenated one word maybe. We'd be the Good Samaritan. So let me update this story in two ways. One, a more literal updating, and the second, slightly different. <clears throat> so, it's a dark night. You're driving your car through Shaw, maybe, Petworth, maybe Anacostia. Some of the street lights are out. It's raining a bit. There's nobody around. You don't particularly want to admit it to yourself, but you are, shall we say, apprehensive, a nicer word than fear, perhaps. But you're a little apprehensive. You take every stale yellow or orange that's going. But at a certain point, you come to a very red light. Being law-abiding, 
you stop. Your headlights pick up what at first you think is a bundle of rags across the road. But then that bundle begins to move just a little bit. And you realize it's a human being who is not in a good way. Now, you're a good person. You, know, you do all the things you're meant to do. You have compassion for people. What do you do in that split second? Do you think, I've read lots of stories about this area and gun violence. Do you think, perhaps they're drunk or high? Or perhaps they've been in a fight that they should have deserved to be in anyway? Do you, do I, stop, get out of our car, go over to that person, pick them up, put them in the car, take them to the hospital, they don't have insurance, and figure that out? Or do we say to ourselves, some of those things I've just said, we're a halfway house, we'll get home and call the police. Which of those do we do? Are we certain that we are the Good Samaritan? Or perhaps, in our own nice, genteel way, are we a little more like the priest or the Levite? And let me tell the story again in a slightly different way. You're in the office, if you remember what an office is. You're in the office, and there is somebody there who you have always detested. And you know who detests you. It may be that you're very liberal and they're very conservative. It may be that you're very conservative and they're very liberal. And they go out of their way every single time they see you to needle you. To be really, really vicious and nasty. And they're the same to other people. And they make demeaning comments about everybody. They're just unpleasant, really really unpleasant. And you try to avoid them when you can, but you can't always. And then, one evening, as you're going home, you walk past their office, and the door is just slightly open. And you can see that this obnoxious person is crying with his or her head in her hands. What do you do? Do you say, well, they had it coming to them? Or, ugh, now what do I do? Really, this person? Do you think, well, one of their friends can come and sort it out? Or do you go in and say, hey, do you want to talk? Do you want me to listen? Again, it's a whole lot easier just to keep on walking. Are we really the Good Samaritan? The challenge of this story is that there are no bounds to God's love. There are no bounds to those to whom we owe this obligation of compassion, of mercy. There is not our tribe and their tribe, and we own things to ours but not to theirs. We owe to people who suffer. We owe that compassion radically because God's love 
is radical. That is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it is a really difficult one to live up to. But, as Jesus says to me and to you, go and do likewise. Amen.